Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our own evangelist, David Diga Hernandez, in a message entitled, Journey of Faith, Four Invitations of Jesus. Enjoy this message. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Pastor Isaac. You guys may be seated. And uh, welcome to the online community as well, those of you joining us via the internet. And it's actually my first time here, believe it or not, at Reach Church. You see, I've been to Praise Chapel Paramount before, but this is my first time at Reach Church, and I'm excited to be here. So um, blessings to you all, and I'm going to be ministering a message here. I know we're talking about upgrading, and I want to speak to you a challenge this morning. A challenge that I pray will cause you to go to higher heights in the spirit. Higher heights and deeper depths. And there are always deeper depths. Because as you continue along your journey with Jesus, there are different ways that he will challenge you. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about the four invitations that the Lord gives to us. But I want you to really listen intently And ask the Holy Spirit to begin to use this word to speak to you where you are in your life right now. Because if you as an individual, if we as a church, if we as the body of Christ on a global scale are going to upgrade, are going to continue to see improvement and growth and a strengthening, then we must, as we go along, learn to be persistent in our commitment with Christ. And when I talk about this persistence, it's important that you understand that when people talk about persistence, persistence doesn't even begin until you feel like giving up. Talk to people all the time who want to start ministries, who want to start businesses, who want to begin a project. And one of the first things I will tell them when we're in the talking phase is, you do realize how big of a commitment this is. I say, oh, yes, a big commitment. I got it, I got it, I got it. I say, no, 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 it's going to be a lot of hard work, and it's nonlinear because people imagine that growth is just one, two, three, four, five. No, it's one, two, three, back to two, maybe up to five, back down to one, up to ten. You feel like you're way up there, then you come back to negative three. It's a nonlinear process when you're moving toward growth. And so people get discouraged in that. And so I'll sit with these people who are beginning in ministry, who are starting a business or anything like that. And I really tried to get them to understand that this is going to be a long-term commitment that will probably have in it lots of frustration, lots of moments where you feel like giving up, lots of moments where you feel like you don't have what it takes. Lots of moments where you begin to look at others and wonder if perhaps they're more qualified to be in the position that you're in. And just when you think it's going to happen, just when you think you're going to have that breakthrough, you hear sermons all the time, is just it's most difficult just before the breakthrough comes. And there's absolutely nothing biblical about that and probably nothing true either. Because you'll find in reality that when things get really difficult, it seems that the difficulty is compounded even more as time goes on. And it's in that moment that you feel exhausted, that moment you feel like you've depleted all your resources, you've given all you can mentally, 
You've given all you can emotionally. Your physical strength is drained from you. You're mentally fatigued. You're frustrated. You're tired. There will be moments like that where you really do feel like this is it. And this is what I want you to understand. It's that in those moments, that is when persistence is barely beginning. It's easy to move along a certain path when you feel like there's some growth, there's some momentum, there's some movement. But it's right when you get up against that wall. And I'm not here just to speak discouragement to you. That's not a goal of mine. Believe me. It's not discouragement. It's preparation. And it could be true that maybe God um, has a miracle for you just around the corner. I preach that all the time. But we also must be ready to endure trials. We also must be ready to endure the difficult, which will come. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise, not one we all want to claim. And so you'll find that as you're moving along this path in your walk with the Lord, that there will be seasons where you'll begin to question things. But your heart will have to be protected from cynicism, from skepticism, from doubt. And as you persist, you will find this. That when you persist in Christ, it is always worth it. Why? Because you begin to flow and walk with him. And there's this level of fellowship that you enter into in every season of growth. So I want to talk to you about the four invitations that Jesus will give to you. First, go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And I'm reading this out of the King James Version. The Bible says here that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You can sense in this verse this great yearning, this strong desire this intense longing to know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. How do you get to know the Lord? How do you come to know the fellowship of his sufferings? How do you come to know the power of his resurrection? I want to show you. When Jesus invites you to follow him, he'll first say to you, come and see. John chapter 1 verse 39. Jesus said, come and see. They went and saw the place where Jesus was staying. The time was about four o'clock in the afternoon. They stayed with Jesus the rest of the day. So here is the initiation of a thing. This is the first invitation that Christ will give to you. And Every single one of us in here have received this invitation. And I know this because you're sitting in this room and you've come and you're seeing. Jesus said, come and see. And this is what he told to the crowds. This is what he told to the masses. This is what he told to those who were infirmed, who were demon possessed, who were in need of a miracle. 
This is the phase where Jesus will cause you to come and see his goodness. See what he can do for you. There's a lot of talk about how we should never approach the Lord and ask him for anything. And that's just not biblical. You'll hear it said, well, you should pray and worship God, but don't ever ask him for anything. He's already done enough. No, the scripture tells us not to worry about anything, but to pray about everything, to tell God what we need, and then thank him for what he's already done. So there is something to be said of asking the Lord for things. He's a good father. He's our heavenly father. He's a loving father. And he desires to provide for you. He desires to give you good things. The scripture says he gives us all that we need for our enjoyment, not just to meet the basic needs. God created you to have life and life more abundantly. And we understand that God loves to bless you. God loves to pour out blessings over your family, over your generations. God loves to give you favor. God is a God of abundance, not a God of lack. God is a God of joy, not a God of sorrow. This is the promise of provision, the promise of blessing, the promise of favor. That's what you have in him. But that's not all there is to it. So there's nothing wrong with approaching God and receiving from him. There's nothing unbiblical about that. In fact, we are to do that. In fact, it's healthy to do that. It's not selfish or immature or unspiritual. It's not a demonstration of doubt just because you come to God for things. In fact, that is the first invitation. You came to him and what did he do? He restored your marriage. He healed your family. He restored your mind. He broke that addiction. He healed your body. He drove out that devil. He broke the power of sin over your life. That's come and see. The problem is this. It's not that we want to be blessed. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with that. The problem is that we want to come just close enough to the Lord to be blessed by him not close enough to be challenged. We say, Lord, I want you to bless me. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll respond. And this is what the crowds did. They came from miles, from different regions to see the power of God at work. And when they did, they came and they saw the 5,000 came. They ate. Jesus multiplied the food. But the moment his sayings became harsh, the crowds began to turn from him. Even some of his disciples. So first we see this invitation to come and see. Come look at what I do. Come look at what I offer. Come and take from me. And then we see the next invitation. This is where he says, come follow me. John chapter 1 verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come Follow me. This is the point now where the direction of your life begins to change. Where now suddenly you're not just appreciating God for the miracles that he's done in your life. But now there is a shift in you that goes from calling him savior to acknowledging him as Lord. I know him as savior. I know him as healer. I know him as restorer, provider, deliverer. 
Now I must come to know him as Lord. And this is where he will say, come and change the path that you're on. Change the trajectory of your life. Shift your mindset. Shift the direction you are walking. Begin to change that behavior. The problem is most believers will only ever respond to the invitation to come and see. And they will never go to the next level. And a walk with the Lord to them will always be some sort of just social thing that they do. A cultural embrace of the Lord. I call them COVID Christians. <laughs> oh, yes, when it was easy, I was there. When there was no persecution or criticism, I was there. But the moment those fears begin to rise, gone. No, no, no roots. Not firmly planted. And so we see that as we begin to change directions, as we begin to follow him, now we're walking along that path. Now this, this is good. And many of us enjoy at least the first phase of this. Who wouldn't want to turn from an addiction and embrace sobriety? Who wouldn't want to turn from mental torment and embrace the peace of God? That's what happens when you begin to follow him. But once you're beyond that place where you begin to exchange those things that weigh you down, once you go from giving up your sin, that's the, that's the easier part. And if that's all there ever is to your Christianity, then you're missing a whole part of it. When you begin to give up sin, you begin to see the benefits of having given up that sin. When you give up sin, you begin to see the light Shedding into your life. Watch this now. What you don't see the immediate benefit from. Is when you start to give up self. Following Jesus begins. With leaving my sin behind. And then it shifts. To denying self. And this is where he gives that third invitation. Come and deny yourself. In Matthew 16, I'll begin reading at verse 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. This is the death to self. See, we're led to believe that denying ourselves is denying our sin. But it goes so much further than that. Denying your sin, you will see immediate impact. You will see immediate benefit. 
You will understand the why. But when giving up self, you won't always see the why. With sin, we get it. Oh, I understand that. With self, well, wait a minute. I was always taught. Wait a minute. I I thought. The word of God will contradict things in you. This is what people don't realize about the Lord. They're not going to like everything that he says. There are things that God will say that will offend you. We like the parts, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. We don't want to hear, deny yourself. We don't want to hear that no man who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for use in the kingdom. But if we want to go to the next level, it will require of us something that costs us. You can't go to the next level. You can't walk on a higher plane. Without this death to self, Paul the Apostle wrote, I die daily. If Paul the Apostle wrote that he dies daily, think about this. Paul the Apostle wrote a very large portion of that Bible in your hand. Paul the Apostle wrote, I have to die daily. If he had to die daily, I would assume so would you and I. The question is, are you doing it? You know, revival, there's so much talk about revival. Every time I go to preach somewhere, I'm both excited and terrified at the fact that this could be the spark of a revival. I say excited in that I love seeing people saved. I love the miracles. I love the stories of revival. I love being in the presence of God, the manifested presence. Of course, we know he's omnipresent. But what terrifies me is I know there's a price to pay for a move of God. So we say, God, move, move, move. And we think that if God moves, it's going to be like a matinee that we go and see on our own time. What time is, is God showing? Okay, there's the 310. There's the 4.30 and there's the 6. Well, well we, can, we can do the 3.10 move of God. We, we, can, we can base our schedule around that. That's how we imagine God's going to move. But do you realize that moves of the Holy Spirit are highly disruptive? And, and you may say, Brother David, the Holy Spirit would never disrupt. Well, of course he does. He disrupts sin. He disrupts the work of the devil. And he disrupts our schedules. <laughs> The move of the Holy Spirit, I didn't say destructive, I said disruptive. The move of the Holy Spirit is disruptive. And here's the issue. Most of you sitting in this place will never come to the place where you'll give it up for him. And that's just the reality. You may not like that I said that, but that's just the truth. That's the truth of any crowd anywhere. Is that most people, it'll just never click. They'll just never get it. It'll never, they'll, they'll never go, oh, that means I have to actually give up something. 
See, if you're comfortable with just coming to a Sunday morning service now and then, living morally, maybe sometimes a Wednesday night if you're really on fire for God, (laughs) then you're too comfortable. Do you realize that when God begins to move, it requires all to participate and steward the move of God. It requires all to get this in motion. You may sit back and go, man, I really would love to see something happen here. I really would love to see a move of God. I really would love to see this go to the next level. Or why didn't they do this? Or why aren't they doing that? Well, why don't you? No, no, really think about it. If we're all following Jesus, denying ourselves, we all want to see this thing go to the next level. Ask yourself, are you putting in what you should be putting in? And if this message is offending you, then you're not putting in what you should be putting in. And again, I'm not coming to say, well, here, this is, this is something I just want to anger you, stir you up a little bit. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about what Jesus said. It's not going to happen on your convenience. It's not going to happen on your schedule. It's not going to be easy. But if everyone will come together, the body of Christ, taking this invitation to deny ourselves, that is a move of God. That is where God begins to do things. That is where lives begin to be transformed. Come deny yourself means it's time to change your schedule around. Well, that's where I have my this. Or that's where I do my that. I'm not talking about never having any time to rest or anything for yourself. No, no, no. That's that's like a cult. It's a cult tactic. They keep them tired so they can keep them susceptible to suggestions. It's not what's done. And some churches maybe are like that. But 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 not not that's not what we're doing here. But it will require that you give of yourself. Deny yourself means you pay your tithes and offerings. Don't tell me you want to deny yourself and follow Jesus if if your commitment to Jesus hasn't touched your, your finances. There's people in here who will say, well, I'm exempt from it because of this. No, you're not. There's no believer who's exempt from giving. Well, the Lord understands I'm, 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 I'm not doing well financially, and we're, we're not doing this or that, or there's no, there's no resource here, and I have kids. So the Lord understands. Yes, the Lord understands that you lack faith. And that there's no situation where you're excused from not giving to the gospel. Oh, people don't like this. People don't like this. Again, if it offends you, ask the Holy Spirit, why does this offend me? Oh, we talk about denying ourselves. But the moment it begins to interfere with our recreation, the moment it begins to interfere with our sports, I never understood sports anyway. (laughs) Our sports and watching other people play sports for some reason. The moment it begins to interfere with our entertainment, the moment it begins to interfere with our likes, with our preferences, oh my goodness. Well, well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going too far there, David. Isn't that what Jesus said? 
You, he went much further than I'm going. He said you, lo- you have to lose your life to find it. What does that mean? What does that mean? What did Jesus mean when he said it? He meant give up everything. All of it. None left. Not our Americanized version of Jesus. This is a harsh saying, I know. Come and see. We love that. See, that was better when I was talking about that, right? He saved you. He set you free. He delivered you. Oh, but now I start talking about those things that, that really, you know, get to us. And, and, and you, you haven't let that person go from unforgiveness yet. I'm still bitter. Well, well they did this, this, and this. See, well, I want justice. No, you want revenge. What our society calls justice is actually revenge. No one is exempt from forgiving someone. There's nothing anyone has ever done to you that was worse than what you've done to God. His holy standard that we violated. Well, God understands again. What does his word say? I told you, he'll contradict our preferences. He'll contradict those things about us. What area of your life have you not surrendered to his lordship? What area of your life and your mind and your heart and your thought process have you not surrendered to his lordship? Is Jesus the lord of your life or your political party? Is Jesus the lord of your life Or is it a spouse? Is it your children? Jesus said, you want to come after me, you have to deny yourself. Jesus said, you you love them more than me? You're not worthy. I know these are harsh sayings of the Lord, but they are his. What does that mean? That I may know him. The power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. If you will follow him. Come and see. Come follow me. Come and deny yourself. There's a fourth invitation waiting for you. See we talk about sacrifice and ministry. And I think sometimes we try to separate the two. I'm going to challenge a paradigm here. Can I challenge something in our mindsets? Okay. Say, Holy Spirit, help me receive. (laughs) Okay. Here's what we do. We say, here are my priorities. God, family, then ministry. Sounds about right, doesn't it? But how, in fact, do you serve God? How, in fact, do you express your obedience to God? One of the ways is ministry. I'm good with God, I just don't want to get too involved. You 
you know, we pray as a family and we do our thing. And yes, but what are you doing for God? The way, in fact, that you prioritize God is often, not always, through the ministry. <laughs> I told you it would challenge you. <laughs> We think we're excused from those things because we prioritize God. Well, how? How do you prioritize God? How exactly is that done? Final saying we'll look at of Jesus. <laughs> come and see, come follow me, come and deny yourself. Come and share your master's happiness. Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This invitation is for those who've known the fellowship of his sufferings. What is the fellowship of his sufferings? It means that just as he suffered for the sake of souls and the gospel... So you sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. And the Christian life isn't all about suffering. I was talking to Britain on the way to church this morning about Christian radio. So why do they assume everyone's just depressed and miserable? Every two minutes, huh? we know you're just getting through your week, barely. So here's a song to encourage you since you are in fact discouraged. And I'm listening the whole time going, I'm not, I'm fine. I told Britt, I said, you know, if you're, not, if you're living in defeat, you're not living the Christian life. You're not living the Christian life. If it's a perpetual need of constantly needing deliverance and counseling and help and, oh, I'm just making it through the week, you're not living the Christian life. So I'm not talking about living a miserable life. In fact, in this way, you will find joy, unspeakable joy. Pastor Isaac, has there ever been a time in your life where you've had more joy than you were when, when you were most busy for the Lord? No. This, is, this is the life. And you look at the families. You know, my parents, my grandparents were missionaries to Russia. And they went in their later years, not in their younger years. And they went, and, and I remember that sense of separation that we had to go through. My parents pastored full time for long as I can remember. And, and guess what? I, I survived going to school on a school night or going to church on a school night. I survived going to church on Wednesday night and school in the morning. And here's the problem. Some of us are more concerned with their education than we are with their relationship with Jesus. So we can talk about all these things, but my, my primary point is the fellowship of his sufferings is in fact the fellowship of knowing his power and resurrection. If you want to know that resurrection power, you must first know the fellowship of his sufferings. I'm dead with Christ, meaning he takes me with him on that journey. First to the cross, then to the ascension. This is what Jesus taught the full denial of self. And this is not some religious attempt to save ourselves. We don't deny ourselves in an attempt to be saved. 
We deny ourselves because we know we have been saved and it's our thanks back to God, our offering that we give to him. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for restoring my family. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Now I offer back to you my life. And there's joy in that. There's peace in that. There's purpose in that. Some of the most miserable people I know are the ones who served the Lord and then fell away. Some of the most miserable people I know are the ones who served the Lord and then fell away, who've tasted the goodness of God, lost their footing, and they can never again find that love. Not anywhere else. So, so while this may seem harsh, consider it like someone telling you to, to take care of yourself physically. Sometimes I watch some of those, like, you know, those workout videos, and they're, like, really mean to you. <laughs> if you really want to eat, you'll get serious and stop making excuses. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but that's, but they're speaking truth to you. And ultimately, the results are better. You want to go to the next level. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Let me have the worship team join me on the platform here. Could I get everyone in the congregation, please, just to lift your hands, close your eyes. You know, I really didn't teach this morning. I just kind of shared on the call to denying yourself because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take the denial of self. Everyone in this room has an area in their lives where they know they're not fully submitted Jesus you want to go to the next level it's going to take not only discovering that area where you're not fully submitted but it's going to take giving up that area deny yourself deny yourself that's what he said not a condemnation it's an invitation to something more, something greater. But we first must get over, literally, in the spirit, get over ourselves to get to him. And you're in this place, and you know that you have areas in your life that you need to submit to his lordship. Yeah, he's your savior, your healer, your deliverer, your provider. Yes, he's your friend. Yes, he's your king. Yes, you know him as father. But have you been serving him as your Lord? The master of your life. That life which is submitted to him is the one full of joy. Is the one that knows the master's reward. That's you. Stand up and come to the altar. That's you watching online. Just begin to pray right where you are. Come and stand, stand, stand at the altar. That's you. 
You say, I, I need to get some things submitted. There are some of you even now that can't overcome yourself. Where you know in your heart something in the message just it hit. And even now there's that fight internally. Some of us, that's shame. We don't want to approach God because we feel like He's going to be angry with us or like it's not going to matter or like people are going to judge us for having gone up there. But that's not the case at all. Others, it's ego, it's pride. I'm not, I'm not going to respond to that. I didn't like what He said. I didn't like the fact that it was spoken so truthfully. But either way, the Holy Spirit is calling you. If that's you, you're still in your seat, but you know you should be up here. And I challenge you right now, stand up right now, get out of your seat and come down. Stand up right now, get out of your seat and come down. The Holy Spirit is speaking to his people. God is speaking to his people. It's time to go to higher places in the spirit. It's time to go to deeper depths. Hands lifted, everyone praying. And you in the congregation, just stretch your hands toward them. Begin praying in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Lord, we honor you. Father, we pray right now that you would begin to fill us afresh with power from on high. Give us that grace and that strength that we need to deny ourselves, Lord. Lord, not out of condemnation, not out of religion, not out of obligation, but Lord, with a purpose. Teach us to deny ourselves joyfully. Teach us to deny ourselves with purpose. Teach us to exchange the mundane and the material for the supernatural and the spiritual. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to walk with you in the name of Jesus. And you watching online, God bless you. Thank you for watching. We love you and we pray the Lord begin to move in your life too. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.